you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What up, guys? Ricky Hollywood here. We've got some big Super Bowl news on Thursday's show, so make sure you tune in. And if you're a real diehard fan, you can catch it live on our YouTube video stream. That way, you'll be the first to know what's happening. And trust me, you don't want to miss it. All right, take it away, boys. The Around the NFL Podcast. Got benched for a dude named Doug. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Just talking about it. We just, Without getting into details, we had a nice newsroom conversation downstairs. The four of us, the great handsome Hank another prominent figure in the NFL media landscape about a feud that this figure was involved with um, based on some podcast comments and then some Twitter. Why, back why are we, you know, going around? We were defending Scott Hansen's honors because Michael Lombardi took an unprovoked shot at him uh, well, I don't on Twitter, wanna, okay. which I didn't know all about. Well, we're not I don't saying betray we weren't involved. Scott's I found confidence. out about it. Yeah, we're, we don't need to get into the conversation, but we were just you know catching up on that these two uh, individuals was beef. had a feud. A media tiff. We're clearly on Team Hanson. That's all oh, I'm saying. Forget about it. And then you know just talking about it is my desire for us to enter into a proper feud with someone else in the media landscape. Lombardi is a, a nice choice, but Scott's already got that. <laughs> um, so like, who is someone that we can feud with? And I think that not only would that spike ratings – Mm. Uh, but it would just kind of spice things up a little bit. It's just some real bad blood. Well, you guys are a big fan of this Will Brinson guy, but I'm kind of <laughs> sick of sick of the way he operates. We love Brinson. Um, way to clarify that, Wes. <laughs> hey, there there might be some listeners in like Ireland who think we have beef with Brinson. I do not need more Twitter in my life. 
That's my one issue with this. Is that you, you get you get tangled with Barstool Understood. or someone, then it's like your mentions are on fire for the next I don't, three weeks. Yeah. I, don't need, yeah. I have enough yeah. natural feuds that arise. I don't need to manufacture one. I just Let's think just what the what four along. of you guys were like saying like sickingly about Judy Batista before we started <laughs> was pretty gross. I mean like that's well, yeah. no, I was going through uh, my DMs. Correct, Eric. I knew we had we had, had there was a mini feud with a beat writer up in Cleveland about five years ago. And we had the beat writer on the show, but I can't remember. So many that we don't even about. remember the details of that. I don't feud, remember so. what that one was about. Um, there's been heat here and there. Remember, there's Pat McAfee got fired up once. That uh, who was the punter for the Raiders? That was Marquette King outshining McAfee for in terms of like punter swag. And there was a around the NFL post that I wrote naming Marquette King the, the coolest punter in the league. And McAfee <laughs> got upset about that. But this is all small potatoes. What I'm looking for is something like... Okay. Something that, you know, makes waves. Something that puts us in the sports business journal. You know, awful announcing. If there was a dead spin, like we... I mean, it's, ra- it's like sports that. radio 101, but I feel like we've graduated behind beyond manufacturing. But Greg, you mentioned Mike Francesa. That would that oh, yeah, would hurt would the, that, that would hurt like oh, the never. young child in right. me that grew up listening to him. But that would be a bigger. Fish. But he's one of the guys that you know. If you grew up listening to the radio, yeah, he people come at him and he'd say things like, "Don't bring a pea shooter to a gun." Right. Like, and at this, I point, want to be in that situation. At this point, he's embracing that he barely follows sports and then makes opinions about it. Like he makes that obvious to everyone. But it would be essentially one media figure versus the four of us, and Erica come in with some heat too. That's that's a or lot. Another to podcast. Take you on. Don't, you, know. you don't want none of Erica. Or another right. podcast. We like, could feud with the broadcast. How would that go <laughs> for us? Terrible. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so we'll work on this. And Greg does make a good point. Gray, one of Greg's gifts is that he does seem to get someone mad at him every, you know, five to seven weeks or so. You, there's some type of thing that pops up where someone gets annoyed with Greg or you say something that rubs someone the wrong way. What we might be able to do is just organically roll with that and whatever Greg does, side with Greg and then pour some kerosene on whatever the... It is a gift. Is. It, Dan, Dan's like, well, for once we'll side with Greg and then we'll we'll get in the mix here. I do. My One of my favorite feuds ever, of course, was... We'll bleep the name out, now, why are you doing this in the in the newsroom? Uh, Greg and this gentleman just went off on each other. That was very juicy. That's not true. all time even my best. favorite Greg feud. I, I did not really. Go off. Brent Brent Grimes' wife. Oh, Mika Grimes. Grimes. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's another great one. But that I, that one was. I, first of all, I would never get involved in that feud. No, uh, I'm staying out of It'd be that. Be like getting any Marvin Nico Harrison's record related feud. But but the one with this individual in the newsroom led to this individual saying to Greg, set up a de- debate time about <laughs> Kenny Stills, and I will debate you why Kenny Stills is a great wide receiver. And Greg is like, no, why would anyone do that? It Which was, was a good answer. It was going to be like the shootout at the OK Corral of statistical football arguments. And Greg's answer was very – it was accurate. He's like, why would anyone want to watch that? <laughs> very niche. And then that guy stormed out of the room, and then a manager, came, a shadowy league figure said, both of you, and put them both in his office for a double talking. You're getting so many game. details wrong here. Well, so many details. Right, I didn't go in any office. He, the other guy didn't storm out. He was escorted out. Uh, but All yeah, right. I just because stayed, of that fight, I stayed in my I stayed in my seat. <laughs> it was it was fun to see. So anyway, we're well equipped to start a feud and to maintain one. So I'm looking forward to it. Today's show uh, is a good one. 
Oh, uh, Ricky, let's uh, the appropriate. Uh, we want epic, an epic feel to this because I love end of decade, end of year retrospectives. And yes, the Christopher Peter Wessling. Peter. <laughs> Richard Wessling. <laughs> Robert. Robert Wessling's NFL all decade team. Mm, what an which, honor. Which is a mega banger that will be dropping later this week, but we will get a sneak preview and maybe get involved with the discussion. Maybe even, Mark, big stage for you in a big spot. Sway Wes on some of his I feel like the right person to uh, to get into that with Chris Bobby Wesley. (laughs) Chris Bob. (laughs) Um, Also, so we'll go through that. Uh, Also, we're going to go into the news. We just found out that a coach that's on the hot seat is hopping off. His butt's feeling nice and chilly. Uh, and then some prominent waiver additions for contenders, uh, a suspension, and more Browns drama. A lot to get to. But before any of that, history made in the Superdome on Monday night. Let's dig in. 12th play of the drive. First and goal from the five. Breeze under center. I formation. Takes the handoff. Looks to throw. Wide open. <laughs> Touchdown! Josh Hill! 19 years. 273 games, over 76,000 yards, and now 540 touchdowns. Drew Brees, take a bow. Zach Streif, the Saints Radio Network, with the call. Yes, history made in the Superdome, and Drew Brees at the center of it. The legendary quarterback threw four touchdown passes, passing Peyton Manning for the all-time record. Uh, Manning had been at 539, and uh, Breeze threw four. He's up to 542. And while he was there, why not? Drew Breeze decides to go 29 of 30 against the hapless Colts, uh, setting the all-time single-game mark for accuracy at 96.7%. Yes, 29 for 30, 307 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, 10.2 yards per attempt. Oh, and by the way, Michael Thomas, 12 catches for 128 and a touch on 12 targets. Near perfection for the Saints, 34-7 over the Colts. Oh, they almost pitched a shutout, too. Mark, back from Oakland. You got to dig in on some Week 15 football before it was all said and done. Tell me your experience watching Drew Brees make history. What a, You know, coming off of the hideous loss to the Niners, where you come out with so many questions about the Saints defense and what that means. And there's these lingering questions about Drew Brees and where he's at right now, arm strength and all this other stuff. It was just one of these sort of classic, I mean, the Colts just felt like the Washington Generals last night. They couldn't get anything done. And the Saints scripted the most perfect bounce back victory that you could imagine. And hanging around in a totally high octane NFC that I think we're going to look at the what we are setting up for the greatest NFC playoffs of our time together, I would imagine. If it all it. if it all plays out that way, well, of course it's not going to. You know, there <laughs> would be surprises. But the Saints are kind of saying we are right there with the rest of them. We're right there. And Breeze, I I thought the way he played took away some concerns for me about their offense too. Well, that this combined with a week ago, because it was just as impressive, if not more, to put that performance up against the 49ers. They had a very good one against the Panthers defense at home too about a month ago, then some down weeks. But the fact that they are peaking right now offensively 
makes me feel a lot more confident about their playoff chances because they're an offensive team. I know it's a good defense. All these defenses are good, but they're not going to – I don't think any of these defenses are going to dominate on another offense's best day. And we're seeing that the Saints have a little bit of that early 2018 or certainly any time before that juice to them where they know where the receivers are going to be. Breeze was obviously on time on rhythm and Michael Thomas is playing as well as any wide receiver we've ever seen. Breeze has generally looked fantastic since his return from the thumb injury. He's moving well in the pocket, a couple of great performances in a row. And you've got, like you said, Michael Thomas is an MVP candidate. Jared Cook is now entrenched as that third guy we begged him to become. Latavius Murray's been a good power back. The O-line is solid. Taysom Hill's a gadget guy. You even have Deontay Harris to, to throw into the mix once in a while. Alvin Kamara is the, like, why are you <laughs> he's running the one like guy. Deontay Freeman? Mm. He, he's the one guy. He he just, it doesn't, he's not getting the ball in space the way he did last year. And when he's getting the ball, he's not doing the special things. You even see, like, the frustrated look on his face after a play when he didn't force a defender to, to miss him on a tackle because he's used to being that guy and I, he just can't do it right well, now. Well, I do think they have concerns. You know, first of all, they lost two defensive line starters that didn't show up against the Colts. Second, they lost Larry Warford, their Pro Bowl guard, to a, an injury which looked like it might have been serious. And they, you know, they're missing their uh, other Pro Bowl guard who who might be back to the mix soon, at least certainly for the playoffs. So that's a concern that they have some injuries, but otherwise they have to feel better, I think, right now than any time of the year. And you should give that completion record to, to Michael Thomas. I mean, my, Drew Brees was amazing. <laughs> it was He was perfect. But some of the catches that Thomas made, there's actually a, a stat. I believe it was 64.5% <laughs> was the catch expectancy of his 12 receptions, and he caught every single one. Right. They, there's a stat. Yeah. It, Next gen. Seth Walder of saying, you know, how much over expected that you would, you know, have your – whether you completion, and he had the highest mark in a single game in three years. I mean, if we assume that, MVP- that you would have expected two to three, four of those passes to be incomplete, and he made plays on them, which has been happening all year. If we assume Lamar gets MVP, barring him being, you know, swept away Abducted by, by aliens. yeah, something, something more earth. They'd still probably give it to him because it would be a mass tragedy if he was taken That's away. That's true because They're he wouldn't take the trophy away from That's him. Right. He wouldn't have filed a His bad family game. is going to want the trophy. How about Michael Thomas for offensive player of the year though? Mm. Sure. I mean, I understand it's probably just going to go to Russell Wilson, but I, it'll probably just <laughs> that go would to be Lamar Jackson. Anyway, I don't like an offensive player of the year. And I bet more times than not, it just goes to the same guy getting both awards. Uh, really? Award. I feel like they always split it up. Award. They usually Talk split early it, though, I think. If yeah. it's a close race and they want to give the runner-up a consolation prize, they give him the uh, OPOY. As they Last call year it. they did not, right? I don't well, know. I mean, this is your hill, Greg. <laughs> I, I, right, I'll give you a perfect ref- example. Peyton Manning and Adrian Peterson right, had historic right. seasons in 2012. They gave Adrian Peterson MVP, and they said, Peyton, take your 55 touchdowns and, and well, enjoy Well, your- we said it 100 times. It's best picture and best director, and they find a way to right. reward two you know, willing but subjects. Can we, can we just take a step back and truly appreciate uh, Drew Brees, honestly? And I, I know it's happening in all corners, but we— Maybe we don't always talk about Breeze the way we talk about these other greats, whether whether it's Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And Breeze has always been maybe a step behind in the shadows of those guys in this era. But now you take a step back. He's got the one ring. He could really use a second ring. But he's got the all-time touchdown record. And maybe Brady catches him. Who knows? But he's got the yardage record. He, Brady Brady needs, what, a couple on Saturday 
to pass him. I doubt right. they'll do any ceremony. And then Breeze will and pass him back on Sunday. He's three behind, I believe. He needs, and I don't know if Brady's got three more touchdowns in him. Uh, completion percentage record. He is this guy that's stacking up numbers that are godlike. And he's been doing it forever. He's 40 years old. He went 29 of 30 uh, last night at 40 years old. Uh, Brady gets all the shine for being the old quarterback. Breeze is doing the same thing a couple of years behind him. I liked it on the same night he did get the single-game completion record because there's so much noise in the career records. The You've played through three passing revolutions in your career. There's never been a better time to pass. There's never been a better stadium to pass in. There's rarely been a better play caller to play quarterback under. You've rarely been injured. He's had he's checked all these boxes that would say, yes, of course you've got these career marks. But I think what stands out about him is the accuracy, that he's probably the most accurate quarterback of all time. And that in the time we've done this podcast, we've talked about another accurate quarterback like Phillip Rivers. Why are you always going through these stretches where you're turning the ball over and your offense doesn't right. work? Tom Brady goes through slumps. Aaron Rodgers goes through slumps. We try to figure out what's wrong with their offenses. We're never trying to figure out what's wrong with Drew Brees' offense. Late just, last season. Well, that was maybe an arm injury thing, maybe. But for the most part, Drew Brees has sailed along as a top-five offense through his entire Saints career. Right. consistent. He's going to break his own completion. If he qualifies with, with enough throws, he'll have broken the completion uh, record for a season for three straight years. I mean, he started leading the league in yards back in 2006, and he's done it for many of the years since, often leads it in attempts. It's wild. He did have a stretch er, like six, seven years ago where he led the league in interceptions, and then a couple years later he threw 17. And and I remember thinking at the time, okay, Drew Brees is starting to decline. That was 2012 and 2014. It's like (laughs) I think it was more of a, a factor if they had such a bad defense that he just had to take more chances. And you're right. You can't teach accuracy, and he... Might be the most accurate quarterback ever. Good? And the Saints are adding pieces as they go. Uh, they are they claim Janoris Jenkins on waivers. And Eli Apple, who's had a great season until the last three weeks, I think is going to get benched because I, I, he has not played well the last couple of weeks. And here, now let's just slide in another Giants cornerback. Got to get that Giants secondary back Prove our secondary. Down south. I mean, Jenkins part of the, what started the – um, unraveling of his Giants career, and it happened very quickly after he he used like a you know ugly term to describe a fan that came after on Twitter. He's posting his own stats, po- pointing out that he's having a good year amidst this last play seasons for the Giants. But he's a knucklehead. I don't know. Is he is he a guy that you you want on your team? I don't know. I think it's a month it's a month long rental and yeah, see where it right. takes you. You know, um, is the Breeze the best passer ever? Good about quarterback. I, it de- I don't know how you judge that. Like, do you judge him against his peers, or do you judge him with like the evolution? To me, Dan Marino is the best passer I've ever seen. I would, and say, Aaron Rodgers is probably right there with him. Right. The problem is, and look, Breeze can hit a lot of difficult touch throws over a zone, you know, into small windows. But he ha- he doesn't have the wow factor of like the deep out twenty five yards down the side. Like he doesn't have the okay, that's the best throw I've ever seen. It's more just like incredible accuracy, decision making, touch, everything like that. But they're the the fact that they won seventeen possessions and they scored fourteen of them during this two game stretch against competent enough defenses. This is not you know a very a great 49ers defense and a pretty good Colts defense. They have not been bad this right. year. They've been in every game. I know they were embarrassing last night. Jacoby Brissett, you know, couldn't shoot straight. He's been pretty bad since his injury. But this has been a good Colts team for them to blow them out. It's impressive. I feel like in Week 16, this is the first week of the season where I've thought 
if you throw all the NFC teams into a Royal Rumble, the Saints probably are the last one standing in the ring as we enter Week 16. Hmm. I like they're the best team in, in the NFC at this moment. And I like their chances of getting a bye and very possibly getting the one seed. I think the way that the schedule works out with the Seahawks and the and the 49ers playing, you know, they're going to be rooting for the Seahawks to win that game because they have the tiebreak. The cal- Packers, the Vikings, they can jump back up. If I believe, because I was going through one of those playoff machines, which is not as accurate as dealing with a Greg Rosenthal. No, I, I messed up if the, the other night with some basic no. stuff. I've, <laughs> I've totally, no, 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 we I've don't totally even fallen off. Don't own up to that. Um, it, I believe that if the Saints win out and the NFC West champion, eventual champion, wins out and they both finish 13-3, and three, the Saints don't get that bye. Well, it depends. It depends if it's a three-way tie, um, because that would have a factor. If it's them and the Seahawks, I don't need to go to any calculator. They played them, right. uh, and they and they That's lost true. to them. I mean, they beat them. So, the so Saints, they have the tiebreaker. Saints the got Seahawks it with the Seahawks. If it's a three-team one, I think where the Packers win out, then I think they're in trouble. The Packers yeah. have a superior conference record, right. to New Orleans right and now. And we brought up a, a Papa Shango last week. The Colts on Monday night, they were Barry Horowitz. They're the jobber whose job is to show up, take a beating, this happens on- get paid, and go home. Yep. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> this is now like an annual thing. Like a, a Pat, a, the general, Washington Generals come in on Monday Night Football for Drew Brees to break records. They were very efficient in that role. That By the way, when we talk about the best passer, and I, I know why does the name Eric Hipple not come up in that conversation? Did anyone watch him? I know Wes did back in the day. Detroit Lions quarterback. Yeah. I also, talk about there's also the Blauhards have, I'm sure, a comment to make here. He was the original Blau. There we go. I also I've seen I'm seeing a oh, lot of blow to pick Blau. That's what they say. I'm By the seeing way, a lot of uh, Peyton Manning, like Peyton Manning or Drew Brees convo for whatever reason. Peyton like, Manning was better. It's Come like, on. I think you got it. You're you're becoming a victim of the of the moment. And Brees has a better longevity, so he's having this late career that Brady's also had. How many MVPs does Brees have? Zero, right? Thank you. I, I but Peyton Manning in terms of long, you know, the streak and the peak. Forget it. We are one sandwich away, or one one touchdown away from Taysom Hill towards a sandwich Woo! prop being traded. Eight quarters. By the way. You got eight quarters. To get it done. I kind of liked it. It's, it's coming right down to the wire. I was here, thinking I think maybe gonna he's happen. gonna like start at quarterback if they didn't mm. have to play, but that's not gonna happen now. Never They're gonna know. have a lot to play for. One word on the the Colts, mm-hmm. the, the Horowitzes, the Jacoby Brissett Colts remind me a little bit of the Alex Smith Chiefs where they're kind of boring to watch. They have a strong roster. They're run by a good front office. They have a good coach. But you, even if they stay healthy, which if that happened this year and if their field goal kicker made kicks, you might get a wild card or win the AFC South. But your ceiling this is, is one playoff and done. That's why Booger on the telecast is going on and on. Every, you know, This is the true franchise quarterback. And maybe, maybe you want that guy at QB. And I don't want to fall into that old trap, Wes. It's all about the quarterback. But... Is a Jake Brisket team one that's you can actually pin Super Bowl moves mm. on? Well, the numbers say PFF has him 32nd. Most other numbers have him between 16 and the early 20s in stats across the board. Right. You have to factor in not having T.Y. Hilton for a while, losing Ebron, losing Chester Rogers, losing Paris Campbell, Marlon Mack. losing Marlon Mack for well, he stretches. Hasn't, he hasn't been accurate since the MCL injury, and he's not – Overly accurate. I would say that's his number one problem. Is he's not accurate. He doesn't attack downfield, and it's hard to separate how 
how his numbers from how good the play caller is. I wouldn't be surprised. Really good. I wouldn't be surprised if they fire Matt Eberflus, their defensive coordinator, who's done a fine Eberflus? enough job. But Wait, what? His stock was very high just months ago. I know, but they don't. Cha- First of all, it was it was Josh McDaniels' hire, which they were they decided to keep. And man, these defenses like the Cowboys and the Colts who just run out the same sort of plan each time and don't change it up. When you play uh, a guy like Drew Brees and you just get lit up. You got to be able to change what you do week to week. Let's do some news. Part of the thing I think that just makes me me is I go into work every single day trying to earn my job that day. And, you know, I would go in and make sure that my key card worked and I was in the building and I was okay. It's uh, most of the reason why I don't leave the building because they're going to have to throw me out, like I've said before. So. All right. So. You know the drill. Every Black Monday, six to eight NFL coaches get fired. Matt Patricia of the Lions seemed like a guy that would be in the crosshairs coming off a second straight uh, offseason for the Lions, finishing below 500. But uh, the Lions announced Tuesday it will keep both Patricia and GM Bob Quinn in 2020. Lions owner Martha Firestone Ford. I mean, what a name. Is that how she, she walks around using the middle name as part of her announcement title? I would. In our Nick Shook write-up on NFL.com. I think yes is your answer. It might, might, be, might be her husband's name. Spoke with her she once at a... Ford, uh, what is more end? American than Firestone Ford? It's part of two dynasties. I mean, what's more Detroit than that? Unbelievable. Anyway. She's uh, a badass. Here were her comments. Uh, we expect to be a playoff contender. That means playing meaningful games in December. Well, that's not the case with the Lions, and it's rarely been the case for 20 years now, uh, uh, more perhaps. Um, so, Patricia, I think what happens here is they're looking at the, the season and saying, you know what? You know, six weeks in, everybody was getting was high on Patricia, saying people seem to be – the players are buying into a system. Uh, we're in the mix in a very difficult dis- division. Uh, and then – they started to fall off a little bit. Matt Stafford gets hurt. Uh, the backup gets hurt. Injuries all over the roster. The first round pick. Hawkinson is banged up. Marvin Jones. Jermaine Marvin Jones. Carry on Johnson. The, Mike Daniels. They trade Quandre Diggs. And then there's yeah the, the Diggs trade. And also, if Patricia's the defensive guy, it doesn't seem like he has a lot of pieces to work with. So it's like, is this on the coach? Bad organizations love to hit the reset button. That's what I figured was going to happen here. So I kind of credit the Lions for for sticking this out for one more year. But I also understand the flip side of it. If you're a Lions fan, you're like, I don't like the vibe of this guy. I don't like that we're two years and non-relevant after Jimmy Caldwell gave us back-to-back nine and sevens, which is paradise in Detroit. An 11 and five year, two years after uh, that. Uh, what do you think, Mark? Where do you come down well, to this? Do you think I think the, the right decision? The Lions are not, and it's, it comes down to Firestorm, Firestorm Ford or whatever her name is. Firestorm. Her name is Martha Firestone Ford. Firestone Ford. I mean, I don't think that they are a... They're not t- typically a knee-jerk operation. They are one of the more patient front office ownership clubs where they don't... They, with Jim Caldwell, there was frustration that they were allowing Jim Caldwell... I mean, look to, at Matt Millen. Matt Millen was there right, forever. Right, right. So, so that's, that's got five years and only one of them had a winning record. So I think that, you know, there are... It depends on what the relationship is, but Patricia came out pretty strongly and said... I get along with this owner. We talk all the time. You know, there is a relationship that's strong here. So I I don't have a problem with finding out what year three would be with Matt Patricia based on, just as you said, this litany of injuries and maladies and all this other stuff that's happened to them. He has been hamstrung. That said, I don't look at the front office and say, I see a clear direction with, with what the Lions are and what they want to be at this point. 
I think last week when I was apoplectic about this game being lockable between the Bucks and Lions, you guys made the good point that they've been in every game. The players are trying, even with all of these injuries, playing so many second and third stringers, they're in games till the end, and I think that's probably what saved Matt Patricia's job. I also think it's a reminder to start your coach and GM on the same page to begin with because you had that one year where Bob Quinn didn't really want Jim Caldwell, and so now you're just two years into Patricia and you're thinking of making a change, but if you fired Patricia, you're probably firing Bob Quinn and you're Martha Ford or whoever's making all of those decisions, the board starting totally over from scratch, and do you want to give up on that? I, I would rather, if I was her, see what happens with Quinn and Patricia, and basically this is your last chance, then try to start from scratch. Because here's the reality. You have a long track record of not being able to start over from scratch and doing it well. So try this. An extensive track record. All right. We'll see what happens uh, with the Lions in the offseason. A lot of work to do. Moving on. All right. So two two names. We talked about Janoris Jenkins, cut by the Giants, claimed by the Saints, for some depth in their secondary, maybe uh, maybe a starting role. Uh, another big I, name. I bet he's starting. They're pretty. They're a little banged up too. They lost Char- Chauncey Gardner Johnson last night, who's been really good for them. Another big name, Terrell Suggs, who of course uh, made his name with the Ravens, former Defensive Player of the Year. Now 37 years old, signed a uh, contract, one-year deal uh, with the Cardinals um, earlier this year. And in 13 games in Arizona, he had five and a half sacks, 37 tackles, four forced fumbles, which is not, you know, peak Suggs production, but pretty good for a a late 30s uh, pass rusher. So uh, they cut ties with Suggs, and he does not make it through waivers. There had been talk that he wanted to reunite with the Ravens, uh, but the Saints, Niners, and Seahawks all uh, attempted to claim Suggs. He goes to the Chiefs, though, who also put in a claim. uh, So he... Uh, will report to the Chiefs, and he becomes a depth piece uh, in their front seven. Wes, your thoughts on Suggs, what you saw from him uh, chewing up that game tape like the tape dog that you are. Roof. He's ageless. He's still, I mean, he's not to the point where he's consistent every week, but there's still games where he's blowing up running games and passing games as a, as a pass rusher. And I don't think he's just a depth piece for the Chiefs. They lost Alex Okafor to a torn pectoral muscle just a couple of days ago. So he may be right there with Frank Clark as their two most important defensive ends. Couldn't you see him making a huge play in January? Yeah, and I I think part of the strategy here was there is a need, but also don't allow him to fall further down the waiver chain to – to Baltimore, to New England. It's keeping him out of that other that other. Does this mean the Ravens didn't put in a claim for him? Well, I mean, they they were lower on the the list. The logic, I believe, is this. They – they were 32nd out of right. 32 teams in the waiver claim. So if he got to them and it was clear that he wanted to play for them anyway, why even claim him? Because if he makes it through waivers, you just sign him to a cheaper contract or whatever. Yeah, Suggs, he's played a lot. I would expect him to start. I would have expected him to rotate maybe with Okafer. But now that he's gone, I mean, that that is a very thin position. I think he steps right in and starts for what's been a, a very good pasty. Did I mean, he, he ask for his release from the Cardinals? It was a little confusing. I'm, they said it was a mutual decision. So something happened beyond, you know, behind the scenes where... It's funny. Why I, didn't you just sign with the Ravens anyway instead of deciding that you wanted to play the last leg of your career in your home state? It could have also been like the Cardinals went to him and they said... 
look, we're going to start playing some younger guys now, and he didn't want to be part of that, and then so it just makes but sense. Were, plus, they plus they save some money. Which Cardinals is, were willing to give him seven million dollars, maybe. Right. That N- made no, the, the Ravens were yeah. shocked by losing Terrell Suggs. It was the one guy they had. They were. It was like a first day. Sunday. They were flummoxed. They were like, I can't believe Terrell Suggs did that. Right. He apparently wanted to start his movie production company, which I think he has, and. All, all sorts Apparently of other on high Remember how concerned we were about the Ravens offseason when they were losing all these pieces? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, <laughs> bad news uh, connected to the Seahawks. Josh Gordon banned from the NFL once again. The Seahawks announced that the wide receiver, who they claimed off waivers in November, was suspended indefinitely for violating the NFL policies on performance-enhancing substances and substances of abuse. So that... So he got popped for two separate things here? Yes. That was the first time he's ever been suspended for PEDs, I believe. God, Josh Gordon. Anyway, this is the fifth suspension in eight years. Uh, He was suspended indefinitely just last December while a member of the Pats. Uh, He was conditionally reinstated in August, just in time for the start of this season. It didn't work out in New England. Ended with Seattle. It seemed like one of those great Seattle moves where a guy kind of cleans up his act and becomes a playmaker. But Gordon, obviously, uh, is dealing with these uh, demons here, and he he just can't shake it. And you, you can't – it's – you know, if anybody's been connected to people that have had these struggles, you you look at it and you hear it like, oh, what is wrong with this guy? But it's so clear because he knows it. It's embarrassing to him that this is in the news cycle again. Uh he can't. He can't help it. It's an addiction, and it's it's sad. And I wonder if this is it. If the NFL is finally decide going to decide, as talented as you are, you're still in your twenties. You just can't do it. You can't stay clean, and that's going to be mm. the end of him. I think the relationship he has with Roger Goodell will um, help him get back into the league if he wants to take these steps to do so. Just because I, I think Goodell. Well, we've took seen a- that four or five times. Before, right. So. I mean, we've we've. I guess you, at what point do teams finally say, we can't count on Well, this I think guy. that's probably – this yeah, is that not the be. same Josh Gordon of three or four years ago physically. Uh, he didn't like, look on field. That's also, also written into the deal when, when you sign him. We know at this stage of your career, we can't count on you beyond week to week. This is – I mean, we've had all five of his suspensions on this podcast, and I think almost every time we've asked the question, is this it? Now, because he's not providing uh, production, at least he didn't this year – I feel like he, he'll get one more chance if he does all the steps. But you're right. Maybe he's gone all of next year. I mean, that's it's it's sad to see. Uh, moving on. Oh, Mark, let's dig into it. Brown's meltdown season is upon us. S-Z-N. Z as in zebra. Z. Yes, in, it is. In the UK, I don't know if you guys notice this, if you deal with any of the people, because we've had our travels to London, um, which we're very proud of for the Around the NFL podcast, if you are, because my name obviously has a Z in it, if you have to spell your name uh, to a you know a front office, uh, a front desk receptionist during a check-in process, it's like, how do you spell that now? H A N Z U S. They just go with Z straight up. I don't know anything about it. Sounds like an evil cult. Now this has happened in in many different places, or it's popped up repeatedly okay. when I dealt with Brits. in the United Kingdom. Yes, Brits and uh, spelling my name when they're repeating it back. Zed. It's one of the many reasons you hate leaving this country. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love going to London. I'll tell you that. We don't need to do all this flying all over the world, though. 
I already, what? I'm already on record on that. I'm not, if it's like, oh, let's do an Around the NFL podcast world tour. Like, I'm in. Yeah, put me on the old screen. You know, <laughs> you would, you would refuse to go. No, you on guys, trip. You just, I'll be right Free here. Free world travel. No, not for no, me. No, 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 no. No, just, not for me. <laughs> you put me, you put me live via satellite. Like that gentleman on the, yeah, the Mexican trend zone podcast, guy. the trend zone. Some podcast, people think yeah. that accumulating new experiences in different cultures is a valuable thing and can life. help you grow. Some people do. Not everyone Some apparently does feel that way. Value the idea of consistency and spending time with family. I don't need to be globe trotting at this time in my life. I need to be a father and a provider. You could husband. take them with you. Now we're just getting ridiculous. Where's the education structure? The I just mean in the off Learning new yeah. culture. That sounds yeah. chaotic that's, also. That that my kids are trying to learn how to read, Wes. I mean, they're they trying to read. learn how to multiply. Like Jack's learning how to multiply by five right now. I don't want to. What happened to me to happen to him. Bang, he needs to I learn think, math. I think bangers and mash and driving on the left with English language taxis is about as, as crazy as How you about we get. up the ante, teach him how to count to five in Mandarin. And, and while we're here. I mean, you guys get on me. I don't see a bunch of world travelers in the room with me right now. No. Greg goes to Japan, but that's because his wife's family's from there. Mark, you grew up in England. We know. I don't see you globe travel. It's a financial. Wes, it, you it, went to Mexico yeah, last year. Give me some money. I'll, yeah, I'll it's, travel. It's all, well, also, all finances. <laughs> have, have you know multiple children and watch excuse. your options dry up in terms of world traveling as you wish. Well, I was just told that children should not be seen as an obstacle. You just I was joking. Just the pleasures of the mind and body and spirit. Go get your own. Across the Amazon or whatever. It's, well, that is great. Greg is that Greg often is left back at home when his wife takes the kids to Japan. So to be I don't happening. need to go to the Amazon. I just want a mountain of Amazon boxes coming to my house every day. <laughs> my wife getting all the stuff sent to the house. I collect them from the front door so the porch pirates don't get them. Oh yeah, that's my life. Really, you're, you're it's the norm. <laughs> like no one really or most people don't have the means or don't actually get it done. They just think in their head, I would love to travel. That would be so great for ex- my experience. And just wouldn't that be nice, but you don't actually do it. You're just different because you wouldn't even want to regardless. I would like to go on a, a trip at some time. My wife and I have talked about going to Ireland for our 10 year anniversary. Beautiful. Um, but this idea that, oh, oh God, go see the world before I die. I see plenty of things. I think you're, what, you, you know what, what it boils down to, you're a real American, basically. Um, yeah, you know what? You got it. We finally hit on what this really is. It's a great country, and it's not a perfect country. Like, I don't want to know I what like I don't here. know. I like it. Here. I like that one. Not knowing. That was great. All right. We turned that whole thing into Dan being a better American than the other three of us. <laughs> The Browns are a mess, and uh, let, let's talk about it real quick here. Uh, we'll start with, and this was news to me. I heard this morning, uh, more Browns players, and this was from Mike Silver, who reported per two sources at the uh, Week 15 loss in Arizona. Uh, multiple Browns players yelled toward the Arizona sideline to, quote, come get me, including wide receiver Jarvis Landry. And one takeaway here, they're yelling to the Cardinals sideline? <laughs> Is it that bad they're trying to get it to Arizona? Feels desperate. Feels a bit desperate. Uh, and Jarvis Landry has been, as Mark, you pointed out recently on this podcast, has been one of the bright spots of this team. Uh, but it does remind us of all these things entering the season. Yes, all this talent, but there's a lot of combustible things here. Baker loves to talk. The coach is inexperienced. Uh uh, Landry's a guy that runs his mouth. Beckham has always been a guy that, that talks and gets in the media. And if you put all these guys together, what happens if they don't win? Well, this is what happens. Uh, let's hear from 
uh, Freddie Kitchens, who was being asked about, yes, these comments, and also Landry having words with him on the sideline during the loss to the Cardinals. I wouldn't change Jarvis for anything. Jarvis is uh, Jarvis plays the game with passion, which I love. He's tough. He's physical. Um, he wants to win. And when you want to win as badly as Jarvis does, sometimes your emotion gets the best of you. Um, but I don't have a problem with Jarvis. He's one of the, you know, he's one of my favorites, the way he plays the game, him as a person, everything. And then when you need a, you need a leader to step up, here's Kareem Hunt, who's been on the Browns for four or five weeks. Uh, he's, he's telling the media some guys weren't playing hard against the Cardinals. Those are some players that everybody didn't leave it. They 110% out there through the whole play, you know, through the whole whistle. And we all got to do that if we want to be successful. Mark, is this a situation culture-wise where they have to make a change? Well, I think there's no greater indictment of a coach and a coaching staff than when it's overtly visible to the eye and to teammates and they're starting to talk about players not putting in the effort no matter what the record is or what the playoff situation is and you know I thought the Browns players were playing hard up to a couple weeks ago and Kitchen seemed to still be getting a response from these guys but it's bubbling into uh, you know very Brownsian but new territories of ugliness because of the rather star-studded nature of the roster and the combustible uh status at this point. You're wondering who will be back. You could point to almost anyone outside of Baker Mayfield. I have no idea. Or Miles Garrett. I have no idea if any of them will be back at next season, just because it seems to me that the foundation, once again, has totally fallen out. And, you know, I, and I feel like from the summer, I was trying to ring this warning bell of, I'm not convinced they're just going to soar, soar into the playoffs just because you know, fans and lots of the media saw that, and there was reasons to be optimistic. But it reminds me of kind of like, it, it, for Browns fans, it's just how can we hurt you in a different way this time? And as a kid, I would like in the middle of uh, you know have these dreams of like Christmas morning and, and opening up all these presents, and then suddenly like your mom would shake you, and it would be like March eighth, and it'd be raining out, and Christmas is months away, and it's not any time around the bend. That's how this season feels. You know what? It never it, really arrived. It reminds me of there's a I think he's a mogul or he's a filthy rich guy living out here in L.A. And it was a big news story recently. I think it was in Malibu. He built this mega mansion uh, that was worth like fifty million dollars, whatever the number was. And he built it without getting the proper coding and they finished most of the project. And then a, a court ruling came by and a judge said, no, this is not safe. This isn't going to work. You have people living below you uh, tear it down. And he had to tear down a mansion that he had just built. It's kind of like the Browns are. They built yeah. like this mansion, but it was on bad footing and soggy ground. And now they might be staring at a tear down here. And who is who do you trust to handle what's a very delicate situation right now? Well, all year I've been I've been hoping for the best for Freddie Kitchens. I think he's a likable guy, but that mansion you talked about, that soggy ground, you keep waiting for him to dry it out and build a solid foundation. And every week it gets soggier and soggier, and parts of the house start slipping away, and it's just slipping all away from him. Mm. He has no control over it. I think you save a lot by just firing Freddie Kitchens and making a good head coaching hire. I think that's the easy solution, which is usually the one that the Browns take. 
because they don't want to give up on this nucleus. John Dorsey, these are all his players. And in I know Freddie Kitchens was his coach too, and there was some talk that he liked the idea of that's a coach where, you know, he's he can not control, but he's certainly the alpha John Dorsey in terms of their relationship. It doesn't mean you can't find a, a better coach that can sell players who calm down once you get to February, March, April, and all this uh, subsides. I think that's, to me, that's like the easiest way of like, let's keep the team, change the coach, and see what happens. The only flip side is... Because they're not going to fire Dorsey. No, but from the Cleveland Browns angle, they have tried over and over to fire and then sell you on the next guy. And it's... Yep. the, The person that would be different would be someone like Ron Rivera who comes in with a decade plus of real experience. I'm not saying that's the person. It but has to be somebody like that. It's like right. it's like I there's, no, there's no Parcells so, out there. No. But you need somebody with a track record that, that commands respect that these guys in this volatile locker room will say, we're not going to be running our mouths to the media around this guy. Like, you he, just need he, a good coach. The Panthers were, we'll like, for all their you know wins or losses, they were low drama under Rivera, and that's desperately needed for some of these bad teams. And as much as the Browns have tried everything as far as hey we're gonna we're gonna fire this guy and turn to a new coach. They've also stuck with some guys longer and show patience like Hugh Jackson when it maybe he should have been gone a year before that. Right, you right. Know who we, could we've, be? We've seen how quickly you can flip. Like I mean, in, in Arizona, their offense went from one of the worst in NFL history to a pretty compelling offense with with a number one draft pick. Well, without the with you know with a new coach, the name to watch maybe is McCarthy. He's a guy of Super Bowl pedigree. He's a guy that was around for a long time. That I think this year away has done well. He's his agent's doing a nice job. He's giving him these little media uh, interviews. To, it's a little too obvious. It's obvious, but it's also who else would fit this bill? Rivera would, McCarthy would. I don't think this is a situation where you go with like an unknown coach and hope it works again. The only thing I find with with McCarthy is that he has ties, obviously, to people in Cleveland's front office. Right. And they didn't pursue him last offseason. Right. They pat, like John Dorsey's worked with him. But it was so different last year. It was. It, it was, just, but John Dorsey's worked with him directly and didn't even want to talk to him when it was very clear that Mike McCarthy wanted to talk to the Browns. But it's fair to say that... I just, that I just wonder a, what his opinion of McCarthy where the, is, John Where the Dorsey. Browns were on New Year's Day last year when Kitchens had the team humming on offense and Freddie and uh, Baker loved him. Maybe they just weren't even in that mindset and now they have to open their mind. One huge X factor. If you if you get Mike McCarthy, you know who's coming with him? Frank Signetti. He's been working with McCarthy hand Detective and Frank dur- Signetti. During this whole you Oh, know, he's in that crew. I, yes he is. Somebody so, to clean up the streets and clean he's in the that bunker. That may be the thing you need. He's if in the running, bunker. He's doing security and the coaching field. Frank Signetti, P. I. If you run a dragnet of <laughs> candidates, he's your guy. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right, that's what's happening in the news. It, uh, let's get epic, Ricky. You know, the great thing about Christopher Bobby Wessling is he's a tape jockey. He's a tape monkey. He's a tape dog. And when he puts together a list, this is not a slap affair. This is the real stuff. Chris Wessling's all-decade team. You know I love it, Greg. You know the pitchfork, vulture, AV club, pump that end-of-decade retrospective into my veins. I'm with you. And now we have our own with Chris Wessling leading the way, picking the greatest players from this decade as we say goodbye to the 10s and hello to the roaring 20s. They're going to push that angle hard. (laughs) 
There was only one Roaring Twenties. You can't redo the Roaring Twenties. Come over the new turn. West. We don't need another depression either. <laughs> no, don't want that either. <laughs> well, I, I would say what's great about this exercise is you guys are going to help me from, from having a slap affair here. Okay, good. You're, you're going to make sure that everything is vetted, that this runs through you guys, that we kind of agree on who some of the better players are. And uh, let's get it started. Let's do it. So you sent us the spreadsheet. This is a work in progress. It's going to go up on NFL.com later this week. Ali Bampori, I'm sure you guys have been going back and forth, chopping it up the best way to attack this. Uh, so we will be part of that process. Um, why don't we start right at the top? Because there's been, obviously, this has been a golden age, right, Wes, of, of quarterbacks. So when you were coming, do you, how does it work, first of all? Is it a first team, second team type thing? or just? I'm only going to do one team. It feels like a lot more writing to do a first team and a second team. <laughs> Fair enough. Smart. So it's one quarterback. One quarterback. No backup. What if the in this hypothetical realm, that quarterback gets mono or something? Maybe we'll do like a box off to the side. Where Give us a like second team. A written second team, yes. but I don't write anything about it. Or just maybe like, like Mark writes that. <laughs> Well, that sounds like an extra assignment. <laughs> right, yeah. Wait, first team, right up. Second team, you just get the name. Right. Yeah. So, all right, let's go. Who were your, like, kind of the nominees, the, the names that were in your mind, your mind when you were deciding who will be chosen as the starting quarterback of this team? Well, right off the bat, you go with Tom Brady for his playoff success. And then I think with Brady, too. I mean, winning so many straight AFC titles or being in that conference title game every year, that, that weighs a lot for me. Whereas Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, I believe, played at the highest level, reached the highest level at, of quarterbacking during the decade. So then you have Drew Brees with probably the best stats of the decade, but I'm not a stats guy, so I'm mm. not. I, and Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning way behind. So Brady edges Rodgers. Rodgers. Uh, I'm still wrestling. Oh, you're wrestling. I'm wrestling. I need help from you guys. To, to me, let's this would be maybe the simplest position, and clearly I have a bias. But the fact that Aaron, that Tom Brady was out playing Aaron Rodgers for the second half of this decade, 2016, 17, 18, I think maybe the best three-year stretch of Tom Brady's career was ages 39 to 41. I would say over that stretch, he was the best quarterback in the league. Uh, on balance, and I don't think it was that close, and I think that was some of the worst years of Aaron Rodgers' career. Where well, Why doesn't the first half of the decade? It, it absolutely does, but then you look at what the Patriots were doing in the first, not just that they were in the championship game every single season, but they had a, the top offense in the league pretty much starting with Gronk in 2010 through 2019. They have been a well, top that's why one, Gronk's two... the tight end on the old, right, on it, the old decade. It's a, a top one, two, three offense every single season, and now you know the Saints can compete with them as maybe the best offense of the decade, the best passing attack of the decade. But when you combine kind of the individual and the team, I don't think anyone's Would that durability close. be a factor at all when you look at Aaron Rodgers, who's been lost? To, no. For, for, okay. Not not as much as the, the extended slumps and the what's wrong. The, multiple times we've had to ask what's wrong with the Packers offense. Like, and, like and Brady Rod- made the Pro Bowl every single season I mean, of the decade. For me, it's Brady and, and I, Rodgers no, did not no come question. close. I think Bro- Rodgers' 2011 season is the best quarterback season of the decade. I think his I peaks were higher. I think you could argue he played higher than anyone ever uh, in that mid uh, tier, mid area of his career. And he wasn't really injury prone. He had a two thir- th- 2013 injury that cost him seven games. And then 2017, he missed half the season, I think, with the clavicle. But he's played basically every game I, uh, throughout his career with the exception I, of those two Just years. try to point to a 
Patriots team that would go 15-1 and one and then get knocked out of the playoffs in round one, shockingly. And it's like there are too many, and it's not just on Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of other things happening there. But there are too many stories like that with yeah, the Aaron Rodgers about, Packers. I don't see – when you go down that road, it's like swap McCarthy for Belichick and see. Right, there you go. The maybe, maybe, but I, I to me, the point is Tom Brady over and over and you over. Think well, Aaron he Rodgers had the individual, done. though. Here's the thing. I mean, he won as many MVPs this decade as, Ro- as Rodgers did, right? Or no, wait, he just had – the one. I think he won two. I think Brady, didn't he win 2010? Right. So he had the individual stuff. No quarterback looking at this here uh, had more than two first team all pros. So it was spread out. You know, Brady had two. Peyton Manning had two. Rodgers had two. Breeze had none. And that's, to me, another knock on Breeze, unfortunately, uh, is he's very often the second and third, um, but doesn't have those seasons either in the Super Bowl or where he's number one. My vote is. Brady begrudgingly because Rodgers the past three seasons. That's pretty much where I fall. It in. hasn't been where I think it needs to be to close out that type of debate. I would have said, yeah, three years ago it would have been Rodgers, I think. Brady's our guy. All right, let's move on to the running back position. Hmm, what do we got? So who? who I mean, who listen to this music. Are you jealous, Collinsworth and Belichick? Please. <laughs> Michael Barney. Burning with jealousy, are they? Who, who we You're fight? not going to find Dutch Clark on this team. The, Will the run, Brinson. That's our feud. Billy Brinson. I don't think Where's your epic running music? back is like a no-brainer. <laughs> and I haven't gotten to the stage where I've compared all the statistical breakdowns or anything like that. To me, I was just going by in my mind. It's right. Adrian Peterson. But he gets docked a little bit because a few of his best seasons were before 2010 started. But I have Adrian Peterson as the running back and Marshawn Lynch as the flex. Ooh. Wait, what is flex in real world discussion? So I'm doing this like the all-pro team where flex is like your best either running back, wide receiver. Oh, is that a thing in all-pro? I don't even know. Yes, there's a flex on the all-pro team now. Instead of having a third receiver or a second running back, you can have a flex. Is that also – I just want to make sure we're within regulations. When the NFL releases their all-decade teams, do they have a similar setup? I have no idea, but if they go with a fullback, I don't really care what they do. I'm not putting a fullback <laughs> right. on right. my old like, team. It's like you're a great response. Vonta Leach, but yeah, you play Let's... 17 snaps a game for 10 years. Get John Kuhn's a millionaire because of this. Well, um, it's interesting that the one guy when I see him on your list and you have him on, I think the second team now, which is a tough one, but it's worth talking about. The guy with the most Pro Bowls by far, uh, tied uh, tied for the most first team All Pros and the most. Yards by more than 2,800 yards. I know you're going to say Shady. Is a man by the name of LaShawn McCoy. I just don't I think people... you're going to say Frank Gore. No, think, people don't think of him that way. And I, and I wouldn't put him because I don't think his peaks and his consistency is maybe quite there. But it is interesting if you just kind of look in his career. That's partly why, you know, timed out perfectly. I mean, the, the decade... Years are somewhat arbitrary, and that was his that was his career. But he's got the best numbers of the decade, which is kind of which is pretty interesting. He does. He's also, it, to my mind, an unlikable guy. So that factors in. <laughs> you factor personality. In? I do. Okay. I factor in whether I like. I factor everything I know about this person. <laughs> but you don't really know him, though. He is. I know enough about him to know I don't like him. I know he's bad at organizing parties. I know he maybe there are instances and reported instances of treating people poorly. Yes, I don't like. Uh, But is like OJ on your all-time team in the seventies? And if he is, you got to put Lashawn in the. You can't. I mean, if you're voting in 1980, 
you're voting for O.J. Simpson. You don't know about what's going to happen <laughs> in 1994 or whatever. Well answered. All right. Okay. Okay. Wes, so, one, I do have one question. When you look at all these running backs, and there, you have, you've have, you got 10 or 11 here, Frank Gore doesn't make the, the collection of them at all? Well, I, honestly, like I said, I haven't gotten that far into the research. I went and looked at all the All-Pro guys, and he never was an All-Pro, so that's probably why he's not on Isn't this Isn't it list. weird? You have David Johnson here, um, and you know, it just reminded me, and I was working on the power rankings, and it was, and we saw how Kenyon Drake had four touchdowns, and and it comes after David Johnson speaks out against his role. It's crazy that he is um, an outsider on the Arizona Cardinals, and he's like 28 years old. Won't be on that team next year. Old. Um, I think amazing. David Johnson is not going to come close to making the team. I, <laughs> I think just put yeah. him there. <laughs> right. I mean, if if you're putting David Johnson on your long list, then Gore is not, obviously. I just saw him added. It's, Wes just added yeah, him see, we're, well, We it's are just, all looking at these on he, a Google it, spreadsheet, it, and he's live adding. It, it like points this. out that Frank Gore didn't make an all-pro team. He would be second, by the way, in that yards from scrimmage. He, you know, Him and McCoy are one and two in terms of Frank started the most games in McCoy. Uh, would be second. The guy who's third on the list in yards, though, I think is worth mentioning, which is Matt Forte, which is, I know he didn't you know finish out the decade that strong uh, and obviously wasn't playing the last couple of years, but Adrian Peterson's production the last couple of years isn't really worthy of, it's not the reason why you're putting him on this list. And Forte was right there in terms of but an Peterson every year guy. Peterson was a better back. Right. Just, just, I mean, just flat out. Better. If you're just choosing one guy, he would—he's just in the mix, is what I'm, he's I'm a, saying. That 2008 draft class was phenomenal at running back. He had Jamal Charles, Chris Johnson, Ray Rice, Matt Forte. I think that was Darren McFadden, Jonathan Stewart, Marshawn. Well, that said, if Wes publishes this on NFL.com and one of the two running backs named is Matt Forte, people are going to freak out. So it's like, ah! uh, really? I don't I like th- see. Matt I don't Forte. think I think one of the just, two backs I of think, the entire decade. I think no. you could make a case. That Forte would be right there. Uh, to me, it would be Peterson, but Forte would be there with McCoy. If you tried to make a Charles. case for Matt Forte on the All Decade team, I don't think I would read your writing anymore. <laughs> and if you and if you told me to who's me- number two, then that's what I mean. As who's your number Marshawn two? Lynch. Marshawn. Okay. Who I mean, postseason success does count for a lot. Okay. If you would have told me two years ago uh, that Le'Veon Bell would not be on this list and. He would not make the cut, and he didn't have any major knee injury or anything like that. I would have been like, how is that possible? Because his production and what he was doing for that Steelers team, but these have been a rough two years. He sat out a year and then had has had an awful year with the Jets. Yeah, next time you think about trying to hold out for more money, think about your all-decade spot, buddy. Bang, you got banged. All right, let's move to wide receivers. Well, this is another one where there's an unlikable guy, so I'll have to get over that. But, I see that. So but the first oh, two guys who jumped here? in my mind were Julio Jones, Julio Jones, number one. I think he's a given. Antonio Brown, number two. And then Des Bryant was actually the third guy I thought of. Really? Des Bryant. I mean, yeah, was the great, years Des. line up until the last couple. Well, Calvin Johnson is probably a victim of that his career kind of crossed over the two decades, right? Yes, and retiring, gone for a while. retiring early. Right, but yeah. he's he's still amazingly sixth, um, you know, according to Pro Football Reference, in the decade in yards, despite not playing the, the second half of the decade. Which, Greg, I'm going to have to get you to forward me this link of all decades. Well, I'm just apps. searching. I'm showing, I'll show you how to search, you know, and just search uh, by game started. Gotcha. And Antonio Brown, to me, it would be an easy pick. I think he's one of the greatest wide receivers in NFL history. I also quit blank. on two different teams, which is a factor for me. Yes, but I can't argue with the two you picked. I would have. A, I don't know how you can really push someone else in there. 
What like about Fitz, like AJ it, Green? I could I could have no problem putting him over Antonio Fitzgerald. Brown. Here's the thing, though. I, I guess I would count all of Brown. I would count the first seven or eight years where you weren't having money problems with Antonio Brown and not knock him at all for those. No, and I won't knock him he, for those. He's the, he's the best. What about DeAndre Hopkins? He's been in the league uh, since 2013. He's arguably the best wide receiver in the league right now. He's been doing it for years. I think he should be in the conversation. I don't know if you put him ahead of either of those guys, uh, but the fact that Antonio Brown's out of football at age 30. Would you have DeAndre Hopkins over, say, A.J. Green? I personally would. I would rather Green have him on my team. has a few more years. I think that's a, good, that's a good conversation. I think if you went with Hopkins over Green, I don't think people could kill you for that. I will say Hopkins is a special close. case where he's played with a tangled mess of quarterbacks before the current one and continues to produce. A.J. Green has played for a tangled mess of an organization. I well, it's not v- just over A.J. Green. I think they're very close. I think they probably would be my third, and uh, you could go either way. How do you feel about Dez? I wouldn't have Dez He that fell way. off so hard. That's the only thing with Dez, and I love Dez. Uh, that he was such a great, exciting, dynamic guy from 22 to 28 or so. And then, you know, the injuries kind of caught up with him. And then he was out of the league by, what, age 31? I don't think he was quite as complete. Like, if you were just starting Right, but team, touchdowns are really team, important. Team, and team and who was better at touchdowns than Des Bryant? He was a badass in the red zone. It was amazingly a top five receiver this decade in yards is Demarius Thomas. Well, he's on not the that, Not that we would, you know put him on this team, but just impressive. Tight end feels obviously the maybe the biggest no-brainer on the list. I believe it is the biggest no-brainer on the list. Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham is a ideal number two guy, I think, even though he's fallen on hard times in his early 30s, but when he was Jimmy Graham, like going back to Drew Brees for a second, he has better numbers than anyone in the history of the league. How many true star pass catchers did he play with in his career? Michael Thomas is one right now, and Jimmy Graham and his Marcus prime was Colston. the other guy. Colston was a, a great receiver. Um, that is uh, one of the things that I attribute as a, a additional trait to Breeze, that he wasn't lined with stock talent as much. But Graham certainly was, I think. Well, yeah, and it helps he started in 2010. Travis Kelsey's pretty close for me to, to sniffing Jimmy Graham, but uh, as the yes. second guy. Yeah, yeah we're, they're all playing for second place. Uh, where do you want to go, Greg? Where do you want to go to next in this? Do we want to get into line play? Let's know. get into – yeah, we don't have all the time in the world. Let's go to pass rushers, defensive end. Can I say one quick thing about the line? Looking at the, the people that you named, it is insane when you look at how bad the Browns have been that they have Joe Thomas, Alex Mack, Mitchell Schwartz, and Joel Batonio on this list. <laughs> and at one point, three of them played together consistently. Not all, the, not all the first teams. No, but I mean, that's this is, we're, talk, we're looking yeah. – there's, there's 15, 16 linemen here, tops, and four of them from the same team at one point. Hmm. Yep. Utter absurdity. <laughs> Utter absurdity. Richie Incognito on your spreadsheet. I mean, you know, going off your clause of being a good person. That's a little messy. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for him where he's at in his life now, what he's come back from. A lot of it, most of it, you would say what he's done to himself. But yeah, he would he has no possibility of making the final all decades. Dan's all about this good person. Yeah, for, well, com- on radar for completists, bit. you have Joe Thomas, Zach Martin, Marshall Yonda, Marquise Pouncey, and a right tackle to be named later uh, penciled in. Maybe, well, I might go maybe with two left a, tackles. Yeah, maybe throw Tyron Smith. I think that'll probably be it'll probably be Tyron Smith and Joe Thomas. Jason Peters, it'd be tough to leave him off, but I wouldn't Here, I get it. Here's the other no-brainer that, to me, rivals uh, Gronk, is J.J. Watt is one of your edge rushers, uh, Von Miller, Absolutely. on the other side. Yes. Yep. I and it's funny because you think edge pass rushing there would be a lot of 
other choices. But to me, those are your Von Miller. I don't know if he's underrated, but he there to me, he's a no doubter on this team as good I as think Justin Houston's underrated as good as Justin Houston and wake and Cameron Jordan. You have, you have Pierre Paul and Julius peppers. I mean, to me, it's Miller and Watt pretty clear. What's Clowney doing on this list. He's just hanging on in the periphery, looking in the window. That's what he does. If, if, if our strikes. fans could see it, you know, it's like uh, listeners. He's like the twelve. Wes has uh, yeah, like twelve or thirteen people listed. So Clowney, he sneaks in there. He's he's limping in with a bad. Name. As I said, a couple list, ice packs on him. This list came purely from looking at first and second gotcha. team All Pros and then writing their names down on the spread. It That's- is on this shared document. Why do not I not have permission to type in this document while we're doing this? I will give you permission. Yeah, I already had permission. Out how scientists, the lab stuff. We, we oh, is that it's a it's a lab scenario. Okay. <laughs> uh, you also had Cameron Wake and Justin Houston in the mix. Uh, Terrell Suggs on the subject of Suggs. You know, he was one of the great beasts uh, early in this decade. And as we talked about, he's still serviceable even at age 37. You know, maybe a little Suggs. But then then you're back to the good guy, bad guy. D- well, I don't discussion. think anyone on his team's ever had a problem with Terrell Suggs. Oh, some yeah, people, are you allowed to? Yeah, I think some people <laughs> in his private life had ha- have had significant Absolutely. problems. Yes, with I Terrell think Suggs. that's a fair comment. We're also Some people have into, gotten away with a lot. Mm-hmm. We're also getting into like my definition of bad person right. versus we don't other to, people's definitions. We don't need to do that. Well, I, I guess it's just subjective. Right. I have a very strict code. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Somehow oh. Suggs slips by that code. We'll, well, I didn't say that. Well, he, I will he, call up an article and send it to you. You tell me if he, he should. Well, he's buried on the fourth or fifth team here, so you're just. He has no chance. Still in your locker room. He's still in your locker room. Uh, All right, that's my fault. I want to stay on topic here. Let's move to the interior and another one, another no-brainer, Aaron Donald. Yeah, I know he didn't come into the league until, what, 2014 or so, but he has dominated to such a level that I don't think you can have a list without him. He he could retire after the season and he would make the Hall of Fame. I don't even think there's a question. Yeah. Five years ago, Ndamukong Sue, you would think, would be a slam dunk to be on Hmm. the top of this list, but... You know, he's ever since he went to Miami, it seems like he never really caught. He was never maybe if you look at the analytics of it all, he was still the same guy. But that seemed to take a bite out of his. I don't know his well, stock in some way. Bad team, more sec- money. Yeah, your second interior uh, lineman seems like it's totally wide open, Wes. You, no, it's not. It's not. Geno Atkins has it pretty firmly. Okay. His years lineup. He entered in 2010. It is now 2019. He has spent his entire career in the decade. And for me, there were years where Aaron Donald wasn't in the league yet or wasn't dominant yet, and the best defensive tackle was Geno Atkins, not Ndamukong Sue. That's fair, but the all of Sue's career also lines up, and he's been either first or second team, whether it's Associated Some of that's Press. by reputation. Right, but almost you know throughout the decade, you know, oh. You know, 2010, 11, 12, 13, you know, through 15, 16, 17, not just Pro Bowls, like Pro Football Focus, second teams. Like, he, I could listen to Gino and I maybe if, would go if with Gino you. If Gino didn't Gino, play for close. the Bengals, everyone would consider him a no brainer for this okay. spot. Um, moving to linebacker, uh, that, what a one two punch here. A one two three punch. You got Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, Levante David. Uh, the, a name that jumps out, you have second uh, on the middle linebacker, Patrick Willis. Oh, yeah. Who is one of the great, you know, what ifs in the NFL. An absolute monster. His first five years, I think he had four all pro picks, something insane of that level, and then suffers one of the grossest uh, knee injuries ever. That was Navarro Bowman. Oh, I'm thinking of Bowman. That's so, a bad but job. But Willis, an early retirement. Willis by all retired. Accounts. Willis did retire. With the foot injuries. Yes. And he 
also had three seasons where he was the best middle linebacker in football before the decade started. So he gets a little banged by that. And Bowman is on the list as well here. But yeah, his career was cut short, but it was an amazing start to his career. Could you make a list that cuts goes from like 2005 to 2015 as like a second project? That would be fun. <laughs> Some of these cusp <laughs> guys idea. on the cusp. You know? So Keek, I mean, Wagner, it is interesting to think of Wagner as an all-decades player, but he absolutely is. It is, Levante David might be among the most surprising names, I think, to most people that would be, at least for now, in your first team. But you are you surprised by it? No, because I'm looking at the other options and trying to think who you would put in place of him. And uh, Any Snake Lee fans out there? Look how many people dominate from the NFC West. Thomas Davis would line. certainly be an option. I'm, you could Snake. make a case. You could make a case for Thomas Davis. You could make a case for Donta Hightower, certainly. Um, but I, I think you might be right on Dave. I think, David, I, I would agree with you. Cornerbacks, you have Richard Sherman and Patrick Peterson. Now, I just want to say one thing, Wes, um, that I am okay with you not putting Darrell Revis on this as long as he's in your previous iteration of this list, the aughts version of your all-decade team. He did is, he get that number one spot? He's banged by being a cusp player because he comes into the league in 2007 and wasn't 2009 the, the great like, all-time he was year? His all-time stretch was 08, 09, 010, and he was still 10. He was still elite in 11, and then he got hurt in 12. So, and, yes, he straddles it, but I feel like the this whole industry needs to be torn down if he doesn't get on one of these lists because no one was better in that stretch. I, you are Maybe ever. the choir, and Charles Woodson should never have won that defensive player oh, of the year. That's, the, that's that. the bigger issue. I would imagine that bothers him more than not making this list. No, Wes, it's a very good list. It, but just Darrell it, Revis may not be as concerned about that. <laughs> it, it, you could still, if you wanted to make the case that, okay, he doesn't have as many seasons, but there, he has three first-team All-Pros in this decade, so that ties him actually with Peterson and Sherman. No other person has won. Let's let's talk about this. So you're not replacing Sherman or Peterson, probably. But what if you put him at the defensive back spot instead of Chris Harris? Oh yeah. Oh, I would do that. Well, I, mean, Harris I would because I'm a quietly I, been consistent. That's why, also. like, when I saw Levante David, I was like, isn't there someone with like a better peak? Because I'm I'm. But David's underrated. I'm all about someone like Revis. And I think the fact that he won a Super Bowl and was the first team All-Pro that year with the Patriots, people kind of think, oh, that was late career Revis. He had uh, he a was... very good top, you know, at least top five cornerback. He got the first team All-Pro. He won a title. Akeem Tlaib's got a pretty strong case. I would, true. I would counter true. back, Wes, because I know that DB spot, it seems like a consolation. Let's bump Patrick Peterson <laughs> down to DB and give Revis that second second. Isn't Patrick Peterson spot. first team All-Pro his entire career just about? I'm just saying, like I feel like whoever gets that DB slot. Well, the guy who only played like a few years <laughs> it's in third place. Decade. It's the bronze I mean, it's medal. Very clearly third place, but right. That's where I think Revis belongs <laughs> well, because of the years. He just banged by. His you can't timing. put Sherman there. He can't play on the inside. He's not. But Wes, you are the king. You're king of the eye test, and I need people Revis like is you. Number one on the eye test. But that's I need people like you, people that really know their stuff, to let the people know. I know his peak wasn't as long as you wanted to. I know that he got banged by the carryover, but you cannot leave this guy off a list like this because he was that great. Okay. Well, that factors in, and that will probably I, – I will – People the, need you, Wes. In the article, I'm going to say he's Dan on here because you. of Dan's passionate <laughs> advocation, which makes sense to me. You're coming to the right guy with the right argument. All right, good. Uh, punter, love it. Johnny Hecker, Bang. Thomas Morstead, who's still there in New Orleans. Do, do, By still the way, the Johnny Hecker, 
Last must... week in that debacle against the Cowboys, just a maestro performance for a punter. What about that? Fantastic. He needed that because it has not been his best year. No. We've skipped a position here, unless we're going to keep that as a surprise. Last Eckers, but not least. Hecker's well, the, the greatest safety. punter of all time, so he's getting it. Safety. They're talking about kicker. No. <laughs> Earl Thomas and Eric Berry you have penciled in with well, Harrison Earl, Smith, Eric Weddle, Devin McCourty all uh, looming. I would say Earl is in permanent marker. Yeah. Bar- Barry is penciled in. I could hear arguments for Weddle, McCourty, Harrison Smith, Malcolm Jenkins. I- <laughs> Miko's not going to like that yet. Brent buried at the cornerback position. I think I would put McCourty and Harrison Smith not over Eric Barry because Eric Barry's didn't have you know even the seasons he played. A couple of them were marred by returning from injury, and he wasn't quite a dominant player, whereas he had, like, two really dominant great seasons. But it's the whole decade where McCourty's great throughout, and Harrison Smith put stacked together a, a lot of good years. I might lean Harrison Smith. You might. You could argue. One could argue that the greatest accomplishment in that group was Eric Berry returning from cancer to play at mm. an all-pro level. Strong argument. Nice, Wes. Now, I mean, what am I going to argue against the cancer <laughs> argument? Yeah, it's it. just like... It carries a little more That can be me. your article. <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine like Wes in like the Hall of Fame room and he, he brings up that argument. Like, okay, day's over. <laughs> just put Barry... <laughs> Very right in. No, I, I think you have to factor everything in. That, he, that is one great accomplishment that he has. And his peaks are, are higher. He has three first-team All-Pros. Right. Weddle uh, had a couple. Harrison Smith, surprisingly, only had one. And then McCourty's kind of that compiler. That's just why, like, Harrison Smith splits the difference a little bit, where the peaks are good. But Harrison Smith, how many years has he played in the decade? 2012 was his rookie year. Hmm. Okay. So he's been most of the decade. And finally, the most important position to hit. I mean, this is easier than Gronk. This is easier than Aaron Donald. This is easier uh, than any position in my mind. Justin Tucker. Oh. Not just the best kicker of this decade. Arguably, maybe not so arguably, maybe inarguably the greatest kicker in NFL history is your kicker of the decade. I still believe Gronk is the easiest choice, but Justin Tucker is probably the second easiest choice. I'm, I'm thinking you waive even the five-year Hall of Fame <laughs> waiting period for sure. Tucker when he hangs it up in 10 years or whatever. Who would be second then? The ghost? Steven Gostkowski? Is that what they call him? Sometimes, yeah. A little bit. Ghost. He was second on my list, which did no research, just Prater. guessing. Does Tucker, you know, he's had a few missed extra points of late. Is it because he's so unconcerned about his status on this list that he can make a few mistakes at this point and still just glide right in? Tucker is kind of like a preseason pitcher. He's out here trying things because he's kind of bored. He's like, let me try a new spin to see if Mm -hmm. this works. Mm -hmm. He played traditional rock and now he's playing jazz. Yes. I think that's well said. Yeah. He's at a different level. He's trying things that these other kickers haven't hasn't even entered their mind yet. Belichick did call him the greatest kicker in NFL history. Case so did John Harbaugh. Of course, he also got Joe Mixon, the best running back in the NFL last week. So that's... He also said Hecker was like the greatest punter. Yeah. So this is all checking out. It makes sense because they are better uh, than ever before. And if we're looking for a feud, we still have that Matt Prater situation as well, uh, Mark. There are so many ways to go with the feud scenario here. Remember my Al Leiter feud? Your Al Leiter feud, uh, also Leiter. from the might have been the same screw, media screw that uh, jerk. day. Um, Al Leiter butting in front of West to get some 
availability. Butting in front of everyone because he's Al Leiter. Right. I was a lefty and West, shut the Reds Super, down in a postseason game. West and Super Bowl media day, not exactly the marriage. <laughs> not a great, not not a great day. There's my feud. Super Just Bowl the, the entire media night industry. Yeah. I mean, when they went from media day to opening night, that was one of the darkest days in the NFL. That was a, well. I, I feel like that's there why are, I stopped going. There are other events on the horizon that are going to be going through some tinkering and changes, according to various reports, mm-hmm. that could add uh, new waves of annoyance to our life. In on opening night, potentially in in Indianapolis for the combine. Based oh, on what we're hearing. So I don't think that affects us. But they are ter- no. they're going to blow that thing out too. All right, blowing out another podcast. Plugs, power rankings are up. Check it out. If you want to see where your team is. The debrief? What do we lead with on the debrief this week? Uh, the Gilmore-TJ Watt Defensive Player of the Year debate. At least I narrowed it down to those two at the top. The Coach of the Year debate, I think, is also wide open. You could probably make a case for yes. four different guys. Harbaugh, um, Mike Tomlin, Kyle Shanahan. Who am I forgetting? Mm. Sean, Bel- Payton? Bel- Sean, now Sean Payton? Sean Payton, that's it. Bill yeah. Belichick? It's pretty wide open. Yeah. Now I realize when you were pitching this as a topic, it was the actual awards, not making up awards. Yeah, because it's like two weeks. <laughs> what been a good seg today? Well, I, we could we could certainly let's do it right now. Down. All right, let's no, 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 no. <laughs> places to be. <laughs> Defensive player of the year is pretty wide open. We can talk about it next week. Okay, all right. Stick a pin in it. And uh, Mark, long form part two. Well, not really a long form. This is your diary of your trip to Oakland. Which it was, was as fun. long as the other one. It felt like a long, I mean, it's, these don't, you know, didn't, I didn't write it in 12 minutes, but it's, uh, it was fun to write because it was just like, I wrote it in a notebook the whole day and, you know, come back and that's fun. I've done the diaries before. It's a fun little, yeah. it's not a, as hard a, a write because you, you're just kind of dumping out what you were, you know, it's more your mind. Well, it's also, it's like no one can argue with what I say. I saw when I was not being, you know, right. I was, I didn't have the, the Patriots, uh, taping crew, monitoring me during this so there's no footage of what I saw or didn't see but it is true what I wrote and uh, I just uh, <laughs> <laughs> a very strange um, it, it makes you suspect a lot right. no it's entirely true I mean I only wrote what I saw it was like so, there you know. couldn't have been like no one would even know if I murdered a, a small <laughs> but I'm just saying versus like an it's an, like who would who would know yeah. there's not any proof versus of that versus like no, an analytical piece what can anyone say what can they say they, there's no argument that that's the best kind of thing to write remember yeah, the come plot at me line in the last season of The Wire where the reporter made up a serial killer right. to somehow you know, keep a paper afloat. I don't know what was the backstory. There's a possibility now in my mind that you have some fictitious elements to the story. Well, that is not just in case anyone is listening of you know, authority level. No, it's, there's it nothing did. in here that's not true, but that's What if there was? It did kind of remind know. me of, though, like a, in a TV show, and you know, it's like an investigation, and they bring in a really secondary figure that they just want some background, and then they just start talking and totally implicate themselves. And they're like, wait a second, did this guy do it? <laughs> and uh, oh, man. one final thought uh, for me is that I want everyone to know, just if we're going to um, talk about this, that I did also uh, fly to Cancun, Mexico for spring break 01. So, if you want to say I'm not worldly, I don't think Cancun counts as well. You world. can't be contained inside the United States with Cancun. your desire to experience other cultures. Oh, one. What a what a week it was. You went to the Panama City of Mexico and that's worldly? Hmm. Oh, just putting it out there. I mean, if you want to go country for country, I, I bet I'm not trailing you guys by too much, is what I'm saying. I got Mexico. I got I've been Canada. In Germany, by I got the, way. the U.S. I got England. I got Ireland. 
So I'm sure you guys aren't lapping me in this uh, competition, and you're all older than me. So I did a whole like thing where you just kind of like backpacked <laughs> so around personal. Europe. So that was a volume trip for me. Oh, that's so that's gonna take. That's you a nice out. job. That's gonna take. That's you a out. nice job by you. <laughs> it's gonna take you out. Um, but yes, the the best way to experience. Um, international culture is television with, is with hundreds of dr- <laughs> drunk uh, Americans <laughs> in a cloistered uh, scenario. Uh, all right, resort. I'm just putting it out there. I got Mexico. All right, we've, well, all, we've all been to Mexico. There's many parts of Mexico. It's not just like one. Well, tell thing. me about it as you've as you've traveled. You know, with a donkey I would love across to that travel country. more often. No, you obviously I have a great history and knowledge of the nation based on your commentary there. I would love to travel to all parts of Mexico and really all parts of so the world. So what you guys are getting on me more is just that I'm not saying I'd love to do it as well. Right. That's they, what I was pointing out was yeah. like all anyone else says is that they'd like to because no one really It would be really easy for me to just it. to yeah. say, yeah, I'm the same way. But and I'd also say- I'm just that, keeping it real. That's but all. getting on you, we've let the topic go multiple you times. Brought it up. You continue to bring it up. So we're sure. not- a bit. This isn't really it's our hammer that's dropped. Um, but it is fair. I've heard a lot from, from Mexican- uh, people just like the best way to experience their culture is Cancun spring break. Oh, like, when you can, whenever yeah, no you doubt. go to Senior Frogs, <laughs> no doubt. That's just like if you really want to know the inside story. That's it. The best way to experience any Mexico area is find the local Senior Frogs and have a good time. All right, Ricky. Ricky's worldly. Ricky's got the right. Wake up, Ricky! No, I started pressing it, and then I wasn't sure if you were asking me about because in the past year I've done what Ireland, uh, Scotland, UK. You got the right idea. Portugal, Spain. You uh, you also have that connection to the airline industry, which is really helping you in this, right? Not with the international trips. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, but she knows the ins and outs and uh, what happens. She is a traveler. She's got that guap. She got that guap. She got that New England blue blood guap. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Stripping in the studio. Both sides of the glass. Standing is signing off for a quiet storm. <laughs> the mailman, the old boss. And Ricky Hollywood dripping behind the glass. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.